Hello, hello. It is Monday, August the 2nd. It's time for another episode of the Bard Talks podcast. Yeah, this if I had better production quality and that day will come because I'm trying to look for better equipment, you know, better software, all that jazz, a better space to do this in. Then this would be the part of the podcast where there'd be like some fanfare, some awesome sounds in the background, something all high techy and, and beautiful sounding. But I am one man recording this 99% of the time on an app through my iPhone, editing all that jazz, everything being done through here and GarageBand on my iPhone. So I do the best with what I can, as all of us should do in every aspect of our lives. Do the best with what you got. Such a cliche thing to say, but honestly, uh, at the end of the day, what more can you do? What more can be expected of you? So yeah, it's Monday. Talking games today. Uh, Talking games from a rather interesting perspective. I did want to have another guest on today. I was trying to get my oldest son, who is 14... I was trying to get him to join me, but he is very much in the midst of his awkward teenage years, and the only way I could have done that with him being on this podcast was to not tell him I'm recording it so I can get him to be candid and natural and open, because I tell you, there aren't very many more refreshing things uh, to listen to, like for fresh takes and, and positivity and all of that than listening to a teenage boy talk about, or a teenage girl, of course, talk about their love affair of games or like what they're into or what them and their friends are playing. I mean, the level of passion that I get from him is second to none. And it's so great to, uh, to hear, to listen to. Like, uh, he will just, out of the blue, you know, he'll be sitting and playing his games uh, primarily at the moment on his Switch. And then, at an at a left field, he'll he'll put it down and then he'll just start talking to me. He'll say like, "Hey, did you hear about this new Fortnite season?" And he'll go into a detailed description of all the things they're doing with that. Or, "Hey, look, this is what I'm doing on Minecraft right now." And then he'll tell me all the things that he's gotten into on that, the stuff he's found, the tools he's made, the places he's explored, and it's pretty cool. Like when I am feeling a little burned out on games, or I'm feeling like at a dead end, or or just losing the uh, the energy and the momentum, which all of us, especially all of us older gamers, uh, go through from time to time. I'll have a conversation with him about games, and it really sparks a fire in you. You know, uh, to all you parents out there, if and I hope, uh, as all parents should, you know, you take the time to listen to your kids, whatever they want to talk about, share an interest in them. But it's really amazing when you're a gamer parent and you have kids who are gamers and you just just talk to them you know if you just sit down and say hey what are you playing or even if you're in the same room as them 99 percent of the time i'm willing to bet that they're going to start talking to you about whatever game they're on because you know these young teenage gamers uh they're so passionate they're so into it and it really helps reignite my love affair with games it really puts a spark in my attitude and my mentality and and it helps me move forward, and it helps me uh, pick back up on on different games that I hadn't played in a while, and it really gives it breathes new life into my hobby and into my pastime here. But I really wanted him on here to talk about his perspective of gaming, because I took him to GameStop yesterday. Um, 
his birthday had just come and gone and he spends every summer with his biological father in another state. Then he comes home to his biological mother and myself um, during the school year. So his birthday is in the summer. We don't get to spend his birthdays with him. But when he gets home, we usually do something for him. And yesterday I had a little one-on-one -on -one time with him. And I took him to the to yield local GameStop. And I said, hey, you know, pick out a game, pick out a card, you know, whatever you need. And we did that and uh, loaded him up with some V-Bucks because his demographic, you know, his age group, his friends, they live, breathe, eat, sleep, Fortnite. And uh, that's cool, you know. And there's so many... 20-something-year-old gamers out there, elitist, you know, young adult gamers who just crap all over Fortnite. And that's that's really shitty because, you know, look at it from any angle that you want. Um, from a business perspective, I mean, look at the monstrosity that Epic Games has become with Fortnite. And then look at it from a perspective of how much these kids are in love with it and how much it, it keeps their interest in gaming. And it also opens doors to other games that, you know, they maybe not originally were big gamers or they only played these, you know, one or two titles. But through meeting new friends on Fortnite or talking with their current friends on Fortnite or whatever they're doing, you know, they I've noticed with my son that he branches out and he, and he starts to play a few other games here and there. Like he's getting really into Call of Duty with a lot of his young friends are, which... I do want to pause for a moment because I want to pick your brain, my lovely audience. When it comes to Call of Duty, and I've, I'm not going to get into this with Activision and Blizzard. We, I did the podcast about it. Everybody knows about it. We're talking about it. It's moving forward. Justice, God willing, will be done with that situation. But those kids who are playing it right now, like my son's age, who's 14, it's interesting because he has no understanding or knowledge of what's going on with Activision. And it is a, a good teachable moment on one hand to show him, hey, this is what, I know you love this game, but this is what this company is doing. You know, this is what's going on. You know, this is how you don't treat people. Use it as a good, a fantastic example of how not to treat women and people of color, obviously. But he, I also know that he is so in love with playing games like that with his friends that it's it's a difficult uh, road to travel because I would have to be the person buying him the stuff he wants for that game, but I am vehemently against giving my money anymore to Activision Blizzard. So I would I ask you, my my friends out there, how would you, especially you parents, progress from this point? Because I, I am honestly and genuinely uh, stuck in a moment. I want him to be aware of real-world implications of what's going on. But I also don't want to burden him with things that, that would rob him of an aspect of his youth, of his childhood. You know, he's a child of the pandemic era. He is... He's had to live with so much world-changing nonsense and events that it's taking a psychological toll on him, hence why I take such a huge vested interest in his uh, hobbies and what he's into, which I always have, but during the pandemic, I've tried to increase that, you know, and quantify that to where 
I am always having a conversation with him. I'm always encouraging him. I'm always uh, talking with him just to keep him on a positive level. So with that being said, do I really want to go down that rabbit hole of what's going on with Activision Blizzard and prevent him from playing Call of Duty or let him be a kid and enjoy the moment with his friends, even though there is a much darker backstory to what is behind that game, if that makes sense. So let me know on Twitter, at BardPlaysGames, um, what would you do, you fellow parents? How would you handle this? Do you have kids who play Call of Duty? What is your approach to this? I am genuinely interested to know how other parents are handling this situation. Now, getting back to my point, so I don't get on this tangent again about Activision, because, oh, God knows I could yell about it some more. Um, so, yeah, we uh, I took him to GameStop. You know, we're doing, I get him some V-Bucks for Fortnite browsing the wares of GameStop, and uh, as we're leaving, you know, get back in the car, we're going to head back home, I ask him, I say, you know, I know you're still real big into Fortnite, and I know that, you know, you've been playing uh, Minecraft a lot, but I haven't seen you all summer, so what games are you playing? Like, what, what other games have you gotten into? And he tells me, like, he played a little bit of Overwatch, again, there's that Activision Blizzard stuff coming up in the background creeping, um, with his uncles up in uh, where his father lives. And he really uh, got into that heavily, and he got into, he played a little more Call of Duty. But he's also been playing uh, Roblox with some of his friends. And I said, okay, what are your friends playing? You know, like, what's what's big for y'all? What what games are y'all playing? And he said him and his, and his rather large group of friends, luckily he has a good group of friends, they're good kids. Um, he said that all they talk about is Fortnite, Minecraft, and Roblox. Those are the big games. He said, that's all anybody talks about. That's all there is right now that we love to play. And that's so intriguing to me and interesting to me because with y'all, my friends on social media, and then my friends who are of my age and out here in real life, those are games that we don't play, that we don't talk about. They're not even on the radar. Now, granted, on one hand, I've kind of put myself in an echo chamber of sorts with gaming social media because a lot of you on my Twitter account that uh, that listen to this podcast and that we talk about um, games and whatnot on social media, you know, we're always talking about our JRPGs. We're always talking about our ARPGs. We're always talking about MMOs. Um, a few shooter titles here and there, but not many. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about these single-player offline games. We're talking sometimes about online co-op games and stuff like that. But it, I have no huge group of friends who, who play those three games specifically. So it's really interesting to see from a teenage perspective that the big games right now, the big titles for that demographic, you know, obviously Fortnite, but, you know, Minecraft and Roblox, but there's no real RPG influence there. He's played Minecraft Dungeons, which is about as close to an RPG as he's ever played because he has little to no interest in the genre. And that's fine with me. I'm not trying to pigeonhole him as a gamer. I want him to play the games he wants to play. But I think it's fascinating how different the perspectives are based on the demographic, which you could say about anything, really. I understand that. You can do that about music. You can do that about movies. You can do that about comics and anime and manga. The different demographics have different interests, and that's perfectly fine. That's great. But it was so, I think, just from a social perspective and a gaming perspective, just to see the parody, you know, just to see the differences in where we are in our generational gap when it comes to gaming. 
Um, I have tried talking to him about, you know, different JRPGs. And then, uh, like, for example, he mentioned those three games and I, and then I just pitched it out there. I said, Hey, have your, has your friends, uh, have y'all been talking about games like the world ends with you, you know, which that just came out the, uh, or Neo, the world ends with you that just came out. And he said, no. I said, have you talked about Monster Hunter Stories 2? You know, a recent release there. Great JRPG there. And he said, no. And I said, okay. And then he said, well, you know, what games have you been playing this summer, Dad? And I said, well, I've been playing, you know, recently Pokemon Unite has uh, obviously taken off like a storm. And it's been really fun. That's probably the most action-packed game I've played lately. I said, you know, I've been playing uh, several indie titles. I mentioned uh, Spirit Fair, Cozy Grove. Um, I mentioned uh, JRPGs. I said, you know, I've been running through Final Fantasy titles. I've been running through Nino Kuni, which I'm right at the end of that game. And oh my gosh, if y'all have not played Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, you know, the remake of Nino Kuni 1, it is so stinking good. If you love Studio Ghibli films and games and you have not played Nino Kuni, which I know this sounds like I'm really late to the party, but it's taken me a while to get to this game because, like so many of us, my backlog is ridiculous just ridiculous <laughs> and it's been um you know i told him i was playing that and uh and on that note again i really implore you to play it it is such a great adventure wholesome story uh really tugs at the heartstrings and it's really it really wraps you in it's the perfect amount of cutscene dialogue and action and i can't recommend it enough but i'm mentioning these games to him and i'm getting like the thousand yard stare. I'm getting no response, no feedback, nothing. And I said, you know, these are going to be really fun titles. You know, if you, if you want to give them a try, I said, you can borrow my switch. You can borrow my games, you know, cause some of them I have digitally only some of them. I do have the physical copies of. I said, just let me know if you ever want to play one. He goes, oh, okay. Okay. You know, and then we get home and then he says, Hey, can I borrow Splatoon too? Like, That's fine. Perfectly fine. I love Splatoon. I'm glad he he enjoys it as well. No big deal. But after we had that conversation, after I've thought about this, you know, the differences in our gaming perspectives, I took it as an opportunity to make my own bridge over that gap, over that generational gaming gap. Got my Switch out, re-downloaded Fortnite, which I hadn't touched in a long time, months upon months, almost years. And I thought, you know... I'm always pitching these games to him that I love, that I think he would enjoy. I want to meet him halfway. I want to do stuff that he is interested in to show that I have that genuine interest in his, in his, in his hobbies, in his passions. So we're going to rock some Fortnite, I believe, later this evening. Um, I'm going to put Minecraft on my Switch. I, it's only on my laptop, and I touch and go with Minecraft. But listening to him talk about it, as I mentioned earlier, you know, not only his passion sparked a new, a new fire in me for gaming, even though the fire for gaming I have was not out, you know, it dims from time to time, but it wasn't out. But just listening to him talk about all this stuff he does in Minecraft. And I'm like, actually, that does sound kind of fun. That sounds like a nice change of pace. Why not? Let's add one more title to the mountainous backlog. That is my Nintendo switch amongst all my other consoles, <laughs> but that's perfectly fine. I want to do stuff that he's interested in, and, and play those games with him and build that connection stronger, you know, because he's about to get into the span of his teenage years where I'm just going to be the uncool dad. And I accept that all of us go through it. And if you didn't, God bless.
but most of us go through that where we just want to separate ourselves from our parents because we're finding our own voices and our own identities. And I encourage him to do that at every turn. And he knows that, you know, no matter who he decides to become, how he decides to become it, whatever his interest in life is, I support this kid a hundred percent and I'll support my youngest child a hundred percent and I'll support my next child a hundred percent. But I'm using lessons I'm learning now has feedback for what I'm going to do as my younger children grow into gaming. So I'm going to meet him halfway there. We're going to play some Fortnite. We're going to play some Minecraft. And I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a really fun time. And I'm pretty excited to get back into it. You know, it's it's not all that often that you get reignited an interest in playing a title you didn't really touch on very much. But I'm telling you, especially you parents, when you see your kids get so passionate and so interested in something, man, you can't help but feel like a kid again yourself in a way. And it's so much fun and excitement. And, and I'm going to, you know, on my next podcast on Wednesday, I'll update y'all how our gaming night went. But I think it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be fun as all get out. I think it's going to be lit. And it's stuff like that that makes me the not cool parent. When I go, it's going to be lit, fam. And he hates it when I do that. It's so funny watching his reaction. Anytime he's talking to his friends online, I'll just pop in his room and be like, hey, y'all keeping it 100 in here. And I am met, like, if he had Rotten Tomatoes to throw at me, I'm pretty sure I'd be pelted every time. So, you have to do what you have to do as a parent. There's a role you play as a parent, and it's a fun one. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, The other uh, topic I had on my mind, uh, just kind of spitballing here with that, that was the big thing I wanted to talk about and kind of wanted to get some feedback on that. Yeah, especially from you parents out there, you know, how you uh, view that generational gap in gaming and how you bridge it to uh, connect with your kids with with what they are interested in. Um, I had been browsing through different articles today, uh, reading up on some games, reading up on some uh, the history of gaming and, and you know, the uh, the advent of gaming into our lives, especially us 90s kids, late 80s, early 90s kids, when gaming really took off with Nintendo, with the NES, then the Super, then the Sega Genesis, and so on and so forth. You know, you know the history. But it brought up a lot of fond memories. And in this article, you know, they talked about different mall locations where people used to be able to buy video games. And it really, and they mentioned Electronics Boutique. They mentioned Babbage's. They mentioned, uh, you know, Toys R Us, but they mentioned Suncoast, they mentioned um, KB Toys, and seeing all this stuff, you know, and I, I if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you saw my post on it earlier today, but it just really brought back some amazing memories, and I think I could do a whole podcast about 90s mall memories, <laughs> but oh my gosh, I mean, I I truly love the convenience and ease of access that we have now for games as far as digital or two-day shipping from Amazon if your local Walmart or GameStop doesn't have anything in stock that you want. Um, I th- the Game Pass uh, from Xbox. You know, I think these, uh, these services are wonderful. And I think it's amazing how far we've come. And I think it's great for us. But there is not a better memory I have. And there's not a better emotional feeling that, that I have that I wish I could pass on to my children. But now it's such a different world that it no longer exists. But going into a mall, walking into an electronics boutique, and just 
talking games with the associates, talking games with the other customers, looking at the myriad of options. Because really, when you go into a GameStop now, you've got your Switch section. You've got your Xbox One, Series X, all that jazz, that section. You've got your PS4, PS5 section. Then a bunch of collectibles. And that's it. You know, just thinking back on it, walking into an electronics boutique, walking into a Babbage's, walking into a Toys R Us, you had your NES games, you had your Super NES games, you had uh, the 64 games, you had your Sega Genesis, Sega Saturn, you had, you know, your Dreamcast games, and then you had your GameCube games. Like every time a new console came out, your PlayStation, your PS2, your PS3, X, the original Xbox, every time new consoles came out, they weren't in a rush to empty the shelves to move out the old stuff. You had five, six, seven console generations worth of stuff of games and guidebooks and uh, memorabilia. You had all that stuff still there, but now it feels like as soon as a new system comes out and that's just the way our, our free market system goes, they push the old stuff out immediately. Boom, all new stuff. Like, I understand the Nintendo 3DS no longer gets support from Nintendo. I completely get that. But there are still NES games out there. And the used, uh, or NES, I'm sorry, there are still used uh, 3DS games out there. There are still 3DS games to be bought brand new. They're not all sold. You see them in Walmart from time to time. The library's gone down, but you know they're out there because you can hop on Amazon and still buy a bunch of them. You know, the used 3DS section at my local GameStop is a small glass case that has eight or nine games in it. And four of them are Super Smash Brothers, I believe it was. Four copies of that. And it's just kind of sad. It's just kind of sad that once something new comes out, the old stuff just gets immediately, boop, pushed back. Like, there's no dedicated spots to the older games. Albeit, you know, most of them would be used, but that's perfectly fine. You have to go to your independent game stores. You have to go to your thrift stores. And it just seems like the magic is kind of gone out of that. It just seems like part of that whimsical nature of walking in to an old electronics boutique store is gone. Or walking into an old Suncoast and looking at the, you know, looking at all the different anime sections or sci-fi sections of DVDs, just piles of all these great movies that are out there and TV shows and stuff like that. It just seems like a lot of that is gone. Or even your old Walden books, all your old bookstore options. You know, now you're down to Books A Million and you're down to Barnes and Noble. And having worked for Books A Million, if that company is still around in five years, I will pay all of you $50. <laughs> I can't. Well, I can't. It's been several years now, so I guess that contract's dead and gone. But there's so much I can say about that company and how it's operated and they're and the way they do things that I guarantee you it's it's on the chopping block. It's going to be gone. Like Barnes and Noble hangs on by a thread because of the massive amount of debt they've incurred, but it keeps them afloat because of all the capital that they've had to borrow just to keep the operation running. Whereas Books a Million is a privately owned company. They're not a publicly traded company and they don't have that kind of revenue pool. They don't have that kind of capital pool to keep that store going. Whereas Barnes and Noble has made a lot of deals here and there with distributors, third-party companies, whatever, and that's how they prop themselves up. But they are also on the, like, Books A Million is at the plate. They're in the batter's box. Barnes and Noble is the on-deck circle. They will be gone sooner rather than later. And that's just the general direction of retail. But I digress, as I often do. And you're a saint for sticking through with me. 
But the, the, just the magic of walking into a mall and all these great store options, you know, like you, like you walk into your Babbage's, you pick up a game, you go down a few stores, there's a KB Toys. Man, I'm going to pick up some new action figures. Where I found my first Dragon Ball Z action figure was in a KB Toys, and I lost my shit. I was so excited about it. And just, you know, from a collector standpoint, even as a young kid, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But as an adult, I realized now that's what I was doing, you know, collecting. And that's just those things are gone. Now you have your toy section at Walmart, you know. That's it. And Target. Stuff like that. But this the allure of a toy store. The magic of a toy store. The wonder of a video game store. A true, in-depth video game store. Which GameStop is just no longer becoming, you know. And they are one bad business decision away from going out of business. And that's unfortunate, but it's the reality we live in. But yeah, that's, um, I just miss those times, you know. And I think if you were a 90s kid, you can relate to that. There is something to be said about the wonder and the magic of walking through a mall and going to these wonderful stores and having great memories with your friends, even the, the workers there, you know, who people who were genuinely interested in doing their job because the economy wasn't so broken that people are just taking any job they could just to stay afloat. People are actually working in these industries because they loved it. They were passionate about it. And I'm not saying that every GameStop employee right now is like that, but you know as well as I do that people take jobs now more than ever because of the necessity. The you know Picking and choosing is almost a thing of the past because we need the financial stability. But it's just... It's a really fond thing in my mind, and I love talking about it. I, I would love to get a few of y'all on here just to talk 90s mall experiences. I'd love to get a few of y'all on here to talk old bookstore experiences. And I'd love to get a lot of you parents on here to talk about what I mentioned earlier, my, my first segment of this podcast, you know, to talk about um, how we can relate those experiences from our youth to our current children and our this young generation and how we can kind of bring this all full circle, you know. Show them the history of where we come from to help them appreciate the present and give them hope for the future. Which you can extrapolate that into any facet of our lives, I suppose. But that's me. That's my show today. I hope you stuck around. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you liked it, you know, be a friend, tell a friend. If you didn't like it, I appreciate you giving me a shot. Um, I will be back on Wednesday. I've got a hankering for another anime Wednesday, but we'll see what happens between now and then. If you want to be on my podcast, if you want to be a guest on here, like I had my buddy Gary last Friday from at Gary Likes Games on Twitter, uh, we had a wonderful hour-long conversation about tabletop RPGs. If you haven't checked that episode out yet, please do. Um, if you all liked what you heard there, you want to be a guest on here, let me know. On Twitter, at BardPlaysGames, I am down for a conversation anytime about anything that you're passionate about, because... That's what makes our lives better. Sharing these loves that we have with one another helps escape this insane reality we currently find ourselves in. But y'all have a great Monday night. Let's get through this week. Let's have some good times. Let's keep our heads up. Let's spread some love around. I love each and every one of you. I'll see y'all on Wednesday. Have a great night.